0: On the passing through season three finale, I took some phenomenal questions from all around the world, from you listeners. It was a really, really special experience. Being able to hear your voices in real time was amazing. It's been a wonderful season for myself as well as all the wonderful ladies who told their stories at the live show. During these crazy and unpredictable times, I hope you all are staying safe, sane, and continuing to tell your stories more now than ever. I hope you guys enjoy the last episode of Season 3, A Question and Answer.
1: Hi Nekka, my name is Lamia. I am from Zimbabwe. I'm studying in London though. I absolutely love your podcast. It's my favorite and my Spotify 2019 wrapped up proved that. Uh, My favorite episode ever is your episode on Spain. My question to you is what books helped you to become a better storyteller?
0: Hello, Lamia, all the way from Zimbabwe. That is a special greetings from here in the studio in Detroit, Michigan. I would really have to refer to the top three books that I was reading or really sinking my teeth into at the time while writing Passing Through before trying to splice it together. And it was one, my favorite author of all time, Octavia Butler. So I was reading The Parable of the Sower and The Parable of the Talents And Octavia's writing is so relatable, and that's really what I wanted the tone of passing through to be. Two would be, if you're looking for something more tangible, it's a book called Mastering the Craft of Writing, How to Write with Clarity, Emphasis, and Style by Stefan Wilbers. He gives excellent tips as well as exercises after every single chapter. It genuinely, drastically changed the way I sentence, I structure my sentences, the way I phrase certain things, where and when to use drama. It's an incredible, incredible book. And The Sympathizer by Viet Tan Nguyen. He is so colorful with his language, and it's something that I try to emulate with almost every single episode of Passing Through. I would recommend with anybody writing to read as broadly as possible. I saw in the video Everything is Remixed the other day that Really, creation is a combination of copying, transforming, and then eventually combining. So you are going to copy and emulate some of the artists or writers that you like, and then you're going to transform it. The more and more you start doing it, you're going to find your voice, and Then you're going to end up combining all the wonderful things that you've read. And that's really where the fun begins, because your style, it starts to speak volumes.
2: Hi, Naka. My name is Victoria, currently hailing from Vietnam. So for the past year and a half or two years, my goal has been to graduate university and travel. And I've been able to do that considering our current times right now. But i have it's been five months since I moved to Vietnam and I'm loving my life here. But I also have this itch in my brain that I should have another goal for myself. But I can't figure out what that is. So my question is, how do I relish in this goal that I've accomplished? Because it was an accomplishment that I'm very proud of, but also set up and figure out what the next big thing is in my life.
0: Hey, Victoria, what's up? All the way from Vietnam, this is incredible. Congrats on graduating from university and traveling and being able to exhale and say you actually love the life you're living right now. That is the best accomplishment, the biggest accomplishment. I can absolutely relate, and I know a lot of individuals listening can as well as to how to balance the dichotomy of goal setting with actually enjoying the now. I've learned to shift my perspective on what my current experiences are by looking at them as a form of currency. It's something I can invest into the future. So if it is traveling you're doing right now, if it is enjoying this time in Vietnam and eating all the food and meeting all the people, those are experiences that you can invest in the future, so absolutely enjoy them. Our life isn't just a set of accomplishments moving from one goal to the next, it is a collection of experiences and the frequency and intensity of those experiences. I'm also learning to shift from like a heavy goal orientation mindset to more of a system-based mindset, so improving my systems, Goals do really set a great direction for your life, but your systems are the best for making progress. It's the difference between wanting to win the game and wanting to continue playing the game. As James Clear states in Atomic Habits so beautifully, true long-term thinking is goalless thinking. It's not about any single accomplishment. It's about the cycle of endless refinement and continuous improvement. So I think the next big thing is just a moment. Focus on the journey, focus on who you want to be, and the next big thing will reveal itself. It will align with who you actually are, and then it will come to fruition.
2: Hi, this is Lena from Chicago, and my question is, I have a bit of a dilemma. So I'm always been really, really good at setting up my friends ever since high school, but I seem to have no luck in the love department. For myself, everyone tells me that I'm funny and smart and social and creative, but I just cannot seem to find anyone. And I go out, I've tried online dating apps, everything, and I just seem to be missing out. I don't know if it's me or if it's Chicago.
0: Hello, Lena from Chi-Town. That's down the street from me. Love your city. Thank you for dropping me a voice note. This is a fantastic question. And I'd like to start by saying it's not you. It's important to take a step back and recognize that there is nothing fundamentally wrong with you. The dating game and playing it is a complicated thing. I think it always has been because you're dealing with multiple variables. You're dealing with different people. That's why it's important to take a step back and do more of an internal analysis. What do you want? What is it that you definitely don't want? And what value are you bringing to these relationships? And I know a lot of people are like, yo, I am the value. I am the prize. But affirmation without action is the start of disillusion. So it's important to do a self-analysis. That's something that I had to do when stepping back. Because it's easy to get jaded when you're in the dating game. I definitely was where I'm looking at everybody and thinking for everything to change, they had to change. But really, I wasn't clear about what I wanted. And I wasn't clear about the person that I needed to become in order to get it. Taking a long hard look in the mirror, and I'm talking about the 360 mirror that shows the good, bad, and the ugly is the greatest form of control that we have and the most effective way to really look and see whether we're becoming the things that mirror back to us the thing that we want in life, be it love or anything else. All the while, while understanding that you, there's nothing fundamentally wrong with you and you are deserving of love, flaws and all, I had to work harder on myself than I did on trying to get a relationship, and the relationship that I actually wanted came.
2: Hi Nekka. this is Erica from Chattanooga, Tennessee, and I was just wondering, what were some of your short-term goals before turning 30?
0: Hello, Erica from Chattanooga, Tennessee. This is a great question because 30 is rapidly approaching. Really, when I take a step back and look at the goals that I've set for the past year, year and a half, with 30 around the corner, let's say six months to a year, they really have been me taking a closer look at the systems that I put in place. Because every time I set a goal and I don't achieve it, and you feel bad, and you're like, "What could I have done better?" it Never is the day-to-day that we look at. We're so focused on the scoreboard instead of the next play. So for me, it was really every single day, day in, day out. I had many habits. I have three. It's write 50 words every single day, walk for one minute, and read two pages. And it's helped me tremendously to fight against my old brain that doesn't want to work on something every single day. It surprisingly wasn't a write a bestseller by this date or a screenplay by that date or become or receive X amount of awards. It really was just how am I living my life every day and how can I improve every single day and what systems am I putting in place in order to do that? Because it's all a marathon. Step by step, you get ahead, not necessarily in fast spurts just like I was saying to Victoria. So I kind of threw the whole, like I need to accomplish this by this date out and started taking a very close look at what my day-to-day was and who I was becoming as a result of that. And if I could change that, I could change the trajectory Like, like Jim Rohn says, you can change the direction overnight, you can't change the destination. So shifting my direction was really the goal for the past six to 12 months.
2: Hi, Nika. My name is Satina. I'm from Zimbabwe, but I'm currently living in South Africa. I love listening to your podcast and just going through your Instagram. I like how you're adamant about not sharing your career on Instagram and your reasoning behind it. When I see your page, I know you don't post to be seen or people to feel you, but just to share. And i um, want to ask how I can adopt it in my own life because I feel like career i'm pursuing and the things that i do are ego driven and are a way for me to feel validated by others and i really want to change that um if it sounds like i was reading from (laughs) a book i was um i don't know if i asked properly but thank you for listening yes thank
0: you tender Thank you for your kind words all the way from Zimbabwe. And this is a fantastic question. One, this is a huge compliment (laughs) that you feel like I don't exhibit too much ego, at least, with whatever I'm posting and what I share or the moments that I'm sharing. And I, I really think that's a huge result of my desire to understand why we do the things we do and how the internet and social media is really just a mirror being held up to ourselves, right? Edward Wilson has currently one of my favorite quotes to describe just the state of civilization right now with technology. When he was saying we have Stone Age emotions, these medieval institutions and godlike technology. And I think it's important to dig deep and really understand those things. And the anxiety you get around posting something or the ego that is fed and the validation that you need to receive, there's ways to discipline it I think it's human to feel it, though. Everybody does. It's what these platforms are designed to do. So what I've done really to try and shift, I feel like I've said shift perspective about a million times, but I'll continue to say it. It really all is the the vantage point in which you're viewing some of these things. I view it as a digital archive. I always think back to my grandparents, even with the podcast, I was telling Courtney the other day, how cool would it be to hear your great grandmother's or your grandmother's thoughts and views on love or, you know, kindness or her trip down the street to the market? It would just validate, that would validate my experience so much because my blood would remember. The same blood is flowing through my veins as hers or any other of my any other ancestor that I currently have so that means that these things take on new meaning to me and I know that social media is performative but what is it that I want to leave behind when all of this stuff is gone because we can't deny the power of a digital archive now when people do pass those are the things that are left behind So even if you're utilizing these spaces or whatever it is you're trying to create, I would urge you to really throw a piece of yourself into whatever it is and constantly keep in mind when I'm gone, who is it that I was really trying to prove stuff to, or was I satisfied with the things that I was sharing and the people that I was helping and the stories that I was telling. You can't eat the likes, they won't feed you. (laughs) And At the end of the day, it all normalizes. Your favorite was holding their breath for that 11th like. I just want to remind y'all. Don't buy into it. Don't feed into it, but it's normal if you do. Don't beat yourself up.
2: Hi, first of all, sorry for my accent. I am Anna and I am from Paris. I just started listening to the podcast a few hours ago and I am already on episode six. Uh, I just wanted to know how does it feel to revisit the memories of the podcast stories?
0: Anna from Paris, your voice is beautiful and raspy. No need to apologize. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. You already got that far and you're in one listening session. It really means a lot to me. It's definitely an interesting feeling revisiting old selves, old versions of yourself, because we tend to look at our life and you're like, oh, I've been through some stuff or I've experienced things, but... You don't really sit and chew on that you don't digest it you don't sit with it it just is a memory it's not something that you're trying to decode and every episode of passing through that I've written are memories decoded deconstructed there's times where I've had to visit old emails or go to old profiles or revisit text messages and really kind of decode and piece together these puzzles of what this experience was and how I remember it. There's times where I've gotten emotional, you know? Writing it, you feel it, you know? There's, memory is one thing, but physiologically, like our bones remember. You start, you get that hot flash you did when What's-His-Name broke up with you. You feel that thing again and not just from a a writer's perspective but i do think it is not only helpful to sometimes go back and process these things and what you learn from them it's it's therapeutic
2: so my name is tembi and i'm from south africa and my question is how did you get over a toxic ex um i've been in an up and down relationship with someone for about a year now and even though this person treats me like trash, I keep going back and I don't understand why. Oh my gosh, help me. Um, Please share some tips and how to start the journey of self-healing. Thank you. I love, love, love your podcasts.
0: Tambi girl, we have been there. We, I mean, I, toxic relationship 101. And of course, hindsight is twenty twenty, So that's why you're asking this question. <laughs> but... I don't think and now looking back that you can heal in the environment that makes you sick. And Courtney so eloquently put that the other day to me because it's true. It really is. This has become your normal. The high of a terrible relationship is barely a middle point and you start to get used to that. And that's the problem. So really, I would tailor your environment, environmental changes Mixed with time equals the journey to healing from my perspective and my experience. So that means his number, friends that you're friends with, people that profiles that you follow online, all that stuff. You have to tailor your environment, tailor your environment to a new normal. And that new normal does not involve this person. And we've all done it. When you're in a toxic relationship, you're like, oh, no, we can stop talking for a little bit and I don't need to delete his number, I don't need to block him, I don't need to make all these changes to help me along this journey, but you actually do. They are necessities. (laughs) So psychological changes, which is working on yourself, doing all the wonderful things, whatever works for you. Sometimes it's not journaling or meditating, sometimes it's going for a run or a walk with a loved one. The environmental changes, which is removing this person from the things that you can openly see, and then let time do its job. Remember, what you allow is what you teach, and the biggest lesson you can teach this individual who is toxic and is trash, to quote you, and quote myself from how I described my previous sexes, you need to remove them. Don't kid yourself, don't lie to yourself, and that's what you do when you say you don't need to block this person or create a new normal in order to achieve the healing that you desire. It's also key that you're not engaging in the back and forth and the games that feel so good at the time and take you to new highs, but also incredibly low lows. So prioritize your happiness more than making the other person miserable. The end of the day, you only leave with ashes. You open your safe and you find ashes. Hi, my name is Njoki, Joyce Njoki. I come from
3: Nairobi, Kenya. And my question is, how do you choose which story you get to share with us on your podcast? Like which, yes, which aspect of your life do you choose to share with us? How do you decide on that? Okay. And I love your podcast.
0: Okay. Bye. Hi, Joyce, all the way from Kenya. How I choose what to share, especially on the podcast, has a lot to do with whatever I'm reflecting on at the time. The lessons. As you can see, each episode really stands by itself. I know episode one and say episode six of season one are kind of connected so it loops back. But everything else really stands by itself, and it's a result of me sitting down and saying, hey, how have I come to these revelations that I've had, or what lessons have I currently learned from the people that I've met in the places that I've been, and that is how I structure the stories that I'm going to tell. And it's really freeing that it doesn't have to be linear. It's really all over the place, and it's a very enjoyable process to be able to archive these lessons for not only you guys, but my family and the generations after me.
2: Hi, uh, my name is Gloria and I'm from Namibia. My question is, how do you open yourself up to love, whether it's friendship, familial, or romantic um, I found it very difficult in the past year to just rely on people and to be open and even just dif- found it difficult to just be on the receiving end of love and I don't know why that is and I'm working on finding out why but if you have any advice or any experience that you'd feel comfortable to share I would really appreciate that. P.S. I really love your podcast. Thank you.
0: Bye. Hey Gloria all the way from Namibia. You have such a lovely voice. This is such an important question and one of which that I've learned is a mountains beyond mountains situation. So it's something that's ever present and something that that you have to work through constantly because there's a lot of control in giving, but receiving is a completely different animal. I've had to learn the hard way that there's a difference between stereotyping people and situations and recognizing patterns. So once I learned to recognize certain patterns, especially with myself and family, friends, relationships, I was able to make the necessary changes to build and strengthen the relationships that I wanted. I'm not one of those people who's like, just because they're family or just because they're your friend or just because they're your, your lover, they can do no wrong. That is absolutely not the case. So I think a level of discernment and observation is necessary in regards to letting people within your circle. Like I said in um, the season two finale or the season one finale, y'all, it's all the same thing. It's becoming one mush. But you, you do you should keep your counsel small and that's with friends, that's with family, that's with romantic partners, especially with partners. You should be able to share the ugliest parts of yourself and I've come to realize that the same wall that keeps out that disappointment in friendships in family in lovers is the same wall that keeps out the love that I wanted. So I couldn't build that wall. I just had to become better at discerning who and what I was willing to let into my life.
2: Hi, my name is Shayla and I am from Denver, Colorado. Um, And my question for you is, um, how did you get started in photography and what inspires you um, and what advice would you have for someone who is trying to get their start in photography?
0: Hi, Shayla. I was actually just in Denver, Colorado, and it's a beautiful state. You're so lucky to be from there. My start in photography actually was a bit haphazard, like I think with many starts. I was going through bins and bins. I used to go through bins and bins of my dad's film archives. He has tons of photos. He's documented our life so well and his life so well. And I remember just stopping and looking at a a particular album that he had of my grandmother, and I was like, man, I want to shoot something. Like, I I need to, to find my... Canvas, per se. And I took his camera, and that didn't go over well, and saved up enough money to buy my first SLR, which was like this bright red Nikon for 250 bucks. And I started shooting everything everywhere. And this was before I even had one or two stamps on my passport. It was some backyard photo shoot nonsense that contributed to. The 10,000 hours that I put into just loving this art and craft. Steve McCurry was one of my biggest inspirations starting and still is now. Just his usage usage of color, his documentation of people, his portraits, it's unmatched. And now it just, I think every, like, when you're starting, you have to be willing to suck, <laughs> Progress and perfection can't share the same seat, even when you're at a level of mastery, which I'm nowhere near. But my advice for anybody looking to get started, especially in photography, would be shoot everything. Working on your eye and how you see things is going to be your biggest asset. The camera is a tool, but how you see things is what matters. So it's it's not about the camera. You could shoot with your f- phones or completely replacing point and shoots now. So go around the corner, ask your friends to take their photo, shoot some self-portraits, shoot, 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 repetition is your best friend in regards to getting started. Oh, and post your work. Regardless of if you think it stinks or not, it's a numbers game, okay? The one that you hit out the park that gets a hundred thousand likes is going to be your least favorite photo. So just post the damn photo, the ones you love, and even the ones you don't really like. Keep going.
1: Hey, uh, my name's Mia, and I absolutely love this podcast. I love you, Neka, just everything you stand for, everything that you've really pulled through on this podcast. Um, I feel every bit of it, and I just want to thank you. My question is, what has the experience been like watching? you know, this entire project of yours come together and grow and manifest itself into something really awesome and impactful. Um, I know you posted on Instagram that, you know, three years ago you had the idea and you wrote your first entry for passing through. And I would love to understand what, you know, that experience has been from three years ago to now. Um, what are the setbacks? How did you deal with the setbacks and the hurdles, whether personally or, you know, in the world around you?
0: Nia, thank you so much for these kind words. They seriously mean the world. The experience has been oddly surreal and singular and at times like very, it's not lonely is not the word (laughs) because the state of being alone and lonely are or the feeling of being lonely are obviously two different things. But when we create this, when I'm writing, recording, Courtney's remixing and producing, we're doing this in a home studio and without engagement, say online, or you guys, you know, chiming in via questions or, you know, the random interaction, beautiful interactions that may I have in in real life about people saying like, yo, I listened to this, this episode and it made me feel this or made me think about this. I'm really, it's really in a silo. And so seeing the impact, I think on a digital level has, has really been surreal at the reach and that people from all over the world are like hey we have had this experience too that has brought about not only tears but such a huge understanding of how shared our human experiences really are and how we truly forget that when we're in our own bodies experiencing these things keeping it to ourselves and burying it so that we can become what we think we're supposed to become. So seeing the project manifest from something that I just wrote down of like, man, I, I got to write this shit down so I don't forget how dumb I was being in this specific relationship <laughs> at this time to being a thing that, you know, hundreds of thousands of people have, have streamed and listened to from around the world has been humbling. That That's really the word that I think of it's been humbling because it's nothing I'm not writing about some crazy thing that happened these are these are pretty I I like to say tell (laughs) I like to tell everybody that these are pretty regular stories and maybe that's why they resonate thankfully the biggest setback with the podcast happened at the very beginning which is where this was all supposed to be a part of a major brand competition and I did not get accepted to that thing so I will tell you guys that story another time. But there haven't been any humongous setbacks because we're still in control of the podcast and anything that I've learned over the past year, year and a half which you guys will definitely hear about in season 4. I've I've translated because this has become so therapeutic into my writing. I've infused it into episodes and I'm very excited to have more dialogue and also community conversation and community submissions around these topics.
3: Hi Naka, my name is Nen Madeline from Nairobi, Kenya. My question would be, what do you like the most about your creative process? Thanks,
0: bye. Hello, Nen from Nairobi. Nice to hear from you, my dear. What I love most about the creative process is the release. I know I said it earlier, but you know, just for example, I just started shooting film when I mean just started, I mean like yesterday, y'all. So I just got back my first few rolls of 35 millimeter film and it felt like Christmas. And like whatever the process is, it's crazy that the feeling remains the same. There's this state of flow There's this like you lose track of time altogether and you're just existing with this thing that you made in the here and now. And I think that's the most beautiful thing about the creative process. And it's something that I experience with writing, even though you want to break your head open on the keyboard half the time. um, It's definitely something I experience with photography and with anything else I'm engaged in at the time. That is the best part of the creative process is when before you share it. It's that feeling of like, yo, I, I really did this shit. You have to be your <laughs> your biggest cheerleader in that regard. And even if you don't end up sharing it, it's the act of creating that's always the most fun.
1: Hey, Mika. This is Ayanna. I am from California. I absolutely love the podcast. I love the season. I felt like it was fire. So my question is, will we hear more stories on the next season um, from different people? And can we hear more stories from you? Oh my gosh, like the way you tell a story is just captivating. You create this image and I just want to hear more from you. Also, is it possible to do maybe kind of like a submission? I don't know if that's what you did before, but um, story submission so you can share more stories. I think that would be amazing, but I definitely want to hear more from you and um, love what you're doing. So hoping that you're going to give us more.
0: The people want more. <laughs> Hi, Yana from Cali. What's up? I love California. I'm going to buy you a drink if we eventually end up moving there. Thank you for this kind, the kind words on the season. This one meant a lot to me, y'all. The ladies showed up and showed out at the live show in New York City. And you guys, oh, man, it just it was a highlight of my life, <laughs> it really was, and the essence, the nucleus of what I, I had in mind for passing through, which was for individuals to be able to tell their stories, no matter how regular, no matter how crazy, whatever walk of life, to be able to bond through these things was, was really the goal and remains the nucleus of what the podcast really is. So season four, I'm back to telling my stories. I got a lot to say with this season. We've got some cool stuff in the works as well. And yes, 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 there is going to be a submission-based platform, which is going to be really amazing because we wanted to fill the gaps and offer, because we can't be in a million places in, in one time. So apart from the live events that are going to be hosted, they're is going to be a submission-based platform as well. Keep your eyes peeled for the layover. Get your emails ready, y'all.
1: Hi, Nika. My name is Samaya Parks from San Bernardino, California. And thank you so much for having a podcast like Passing Through. It definitely gives writers like me motivation to, number one, get started on a podcast that surrounds real storytelling, um, which makes it fun to listen to. Um, My question to you, though, is how is it working with your spouse on your podcast? Like, what is the creative process that you both go through to have a final product ready to post and ready to share?
0: Samaya, so happy to hear from you. Shout out to Callie again. Thank you so much for your kind words about the podcast. And this is a hilarious and wonderful and necessary question. It's been wonderful actually working with Courtney. It's so special to be able to create something with your partner, your spouse. And we both, I will say, and he would agree to this, that we both have different working styles, but thankfully they complement each other. I can be a lot more free flow, who needs a Trello, just throw it on the Google calendar without a date and time. And he's very much more type A, everything's in a Google doc. Everything has a specific file name and we need to get it done by 5 p.m. X, Y, and Z. But (laughs) he is the first person I go to when running uh, an idea of an episode by or whether this sounds right or what we can do with the sound effects and and all that stuff and he's been I, I couldn't ask for a better partner apart from the fact that he's obviously my husband uh, to work with on a creative project and it's been great it, it just if you have the synergy creatively which i know a lot of couples that said like hey don't do that don't work with your couple because a spouse or partner because you're not going to be able to separate work from home but we've surprisingly and thankfully, been able to do that successfully, and just when we're getting on each other's nerves, we'll just, somebody will go downstairs, have a glass of wine, and it'll be resolved within 10 minutes. (laughs) I promise to be much more organized with season four, so you guys will actually get the season on time, (laughs) and it works like me writing, so writing process, having a schedule for that, I usually run ideas and everything by Courtney to see if this is making sense and I'm not just going crazy in my own mind about how this sounds. Once it's approved, we'll record, Courtney edits and produces, and then we'll create a strategy around assets before posting and sharing. So yeah, it's, it's pretty simple. Uh, we're getting into a little bit more complicated stuff when you're talking about like marketing and reaching more people, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, we both have skill sets that complement each other along with uh, styles of work. So it's pretty, pretty lucky. I can't even lie.
2: Hi, my name is Manier, and I am from Maryland. Uh, the question I have for you is, what would you say to your 22-year-old self um, about love, money, and um, education?
0: Monye, shout out to Marilyn, have a bunch of family there. Thank you for submitting your lovely voice. I'll keep it short and sweet with each category with love. Love is never enough to sustain a relationship. No one is going to love you more than you love yourself and good enough is a very dangerous place to be in a relationship. Strive for great. In regards to money, automatic savings will save your life. I would also tell my 22-year-old self to think of money as a subject to study. Just like you want better health, you're going to pick up a book about nutrition. Pick up Ramit Sethi's, I will teach you to be rich and get your finances together. Category number three, education. Traditional education will make you a living. Self-education will make you a fortune. Work harder on yourself than you do on your job. Jeez, work harder on yourself than you do on your job. The more value you actually place on yourself and your schooling, meaning everything outside of the institution, the more valuable you'll become in the marketplace. And commencement is commencement for a reason. It means the beginning. Don't let your schooling get in the way of your education. Also, we live in a really weird time right now. Like, people with a ton of degrees, 20 masters and five PhDs, will look at a blogger and be like, wow, you're not shit. That's cute. That's a f- like a froofy or fluffy creative job. And uh, a blogger who, who might be making six, seven figures, for goodness sakes, is looking at an individual with 10 degrees and being like, oh, you're a slave to the system. At the end of the day, you have to choose who you want to be and what you want to do. And the destination is what matters, not the path in which you get there. So don't get bogged down by the ego of, of it all, especially in terms of education and career.
4: Hi, my name is Naivasha, all the way from London. And I just want to know what is the best and worst advice you were given before you got married?
0: Naivesha from London. What's going on, beauty? This is a great question, and I think, okay, starting with worst advice, I think I received it just culturally, all across the board, some interesting advice. My mom being from Southeast Asia, my father being from Nigeria, and the women have been wilding out. I mean, I've had some aunts say like, no matter how terrible the relationship gets or how shitty you feel, you have to make him feel like a man and make sure he understands he's the head of the household. And that's just not how my partner and I operate. I can't make him feel like, just like he can't make me feel like something that I don't feel like. I can't be like, Courtney, I want to feel like a goat today. Can you please make me feel like that's? It's out of our control. (laughs) We understand that as well as the fact that if we are deeply unhappy in this thing, I don't see it as an issue to leave. I've had too many aunts, too many people in my family who are living with individuals and not living I, I I'll rephrase this. they're dying with individuals for the sake of God knows what. I'm still trying to figure it out for for what? And I would say the best advice, really thankfully, you know, Courtney and I were just talking about this the other day of it it, it hasn't even necessarily been one moment or one piece of advice. It's really been a culmination of moments in watching being able to watch our parents. And their views on relationships and how they treat each other. And that's really inculcated in us a sense of what partnership means and what we want. And the fact that love just isn't enough. It takes work, it is a choice every single day. And above all things, this person is your friend, you know, and now your family. So, Treating them as such really shifts the perspective of like, how would I actually, if I was having this issue, removing my romantic feelings, how would I want to address this with a family member? How would I want to address this with a friend? Because since we've made this commitment to each other, let's try our hardest to uphold the commitment and the bond. So let's make action our mutual love language and not only just talk the talk, but walk the walk in our relationship.
3: Hi Neka,
2: it's Moyo. Um, I'm sending this voice note from Manchester, England and my question is a bit of a greedy one and it's just asking for more. Could we please get more episodes? It's really good. Um, I find the stories told so relatable sometimes or funny or just really well written and it's. I look forward to, to listening to them when they drop. So yeah, that's really my question. Um, But apart from that, please keep doing the great work that you are doing. I hope you're keeping safe and keeping healthy and washing your hands as per instructions or whatever else we got to do right now. Anyway, bye.
0: Moyo from Manchester. It's not a greedy question at all. I appreciate it. The fact that you even want to listen to it is enough for me. But yes, absolutely. You'll be getting more episodes Season four, we're back to the same structure as season one and season two. So all stories originally written and recorded by myself and Courtney. And I'm thankful that you can say you even relate to the ones that are not relate, but you can laugh or enjoy the ones that you don't even necessarily relate to. I think that's also one of the best compliments I've received because, yo, understanding is understanding, even if you haven't been through it. Much appreciated, Moyo.
2: Hey, Necca. My name is Deandra, and I'm from Kingston, Jamaica. And I moved five years ago, roughly, almost five years ago to um, D.C., then moved to Maryland, Temple Hills, D.C., which is roughly 20, 30 minutes away from um, Washington, D.C. And uh, my question to you is, how do you feel about doing, like, a visual um podcast meaning you know whenever you have or you record your podcast you put it on video because i don't know there's something so therapeutic about just looking at you and listening to your voice and um it i mean <laughs> i guess i just love you and i just love to hear and see what you talk about and even your guests because they they have so many strong stories as well that everyone can relate to
0: deandra from kingston jamaica gosh i love jamaica man i really do shout out to you and thank you for the beautiful beautiful words and the lovely video of yourself and yes to answer your question we have been looking into visuals for the podcast not only just recording my process but also adding uh, another element of storytelling which is film And yes, as you guys know, it is a process. (laughs) But there is definitely some video work in the works.
3: Hey, Nika, this is Busi. I'm calling you for, I'm calling, wow, okay. (laughs) uh, I'm from South Africa, Johannesburg to be specific. Um, I am a woman and I do get the occasional, hi, sir, how are you doing over the phone like you do, which is bizarre. But anyway, um, I wanted to know what is the most surprising thing you've learned about yourself in your first year of marriage? What is some sort of superpower you had tucked within yourself that you didn't know about that came out and showed you flames and you're like, hmm,
0: didn't know I had it in me? Busu, man. I mean, woman. (laughs) I actually cried tears of joy and laughter listening to your question because you know, it is bizarre. You have a very beautiful, deep, wonderful, podcast-worthy voice. Don't let anybody tell you different. This is a phenomenal question and has caused me to pause and think about what I've actually learned about myself in the first year of marriage. I would say, and this is because Courtney is very much so like a equal um, equal opportunity employer. So I've learned that and and like you said, that thing that you so beautifully stated, it's like, what is that superpower that's tucked within yourself that just came out? And Courtney so just so wonderfully has tugged out and dug up and unearthed parts of myself that I didn't know existed or parts of myself that I'd, I'd been hiding. And, and I've learned that I do, A, avoid conflict way more than this man and way more than I even thought I did, especially face-to-face and with people who are close to me. When it's somebody, is a stranger, an employee, I can have that conversation. When it's a friend, a family member, it's difficult. So he's shown me that It doesn't necessarily have to be this adversarial yelling match. It can be civil. You can get your points across and you can come out the other side with a stronger relationship. As well as, hey man, like as a woman in any industry, you're going to be viewed, especially if you have strong opinions and you're about that action and your word, you're going to be viewed as, to a lot of people, especially men in the industry, as a bitch. And you gotta be able to wear that. That's something that I'm getting used to. I didn't realize how much I was leaning out and ducking and dodging that title. And I'm openly walking into, shoot, firmly and unapologetically placing two feet in leadership positions.
1: Hi, my name is Nayoka. I'm originally born in Jamaica, but I was raised here in New York. Um Bronx so my question for you is how do you find your voice how do you and are you an introvert how do you find your space Um, I feel like I see so many people um, take the initiative to make that step and everyone tells me to jump and it's like jumping is scary so is there like an intermediate step between the ground and and the cliff that was a lot but finding your voice finding your identity if i have an idea how do i take that initiative to know that i deserve to make that step
0: hi Nyoka. shout out to jamaica and the bronx incredible combination if i do say so myself i do dub myself more of an introverted extrovert so i source most of my energy from solitude and that's how I really kind of recharge. But I can be out and about with the peoples if it's the right peoples and place and energy and vibrations and more hipster terminology coming at you after this break. <laughs> but I think that in between, that it was hilarious how you phrased it. The is there an in between between the ground and the in the cliff? Right? Is there an intermediary step? And I I think yes. Like finding your voice is it's a combination of all the elements of creation like i stated earlier of copying then transforming then combining everything is remixed nothing is original i have pulled from so many artists so many photographers so many writers to create what even passing through is let alone anything else that i'm i'm kind of tinkering with you in the in between the cliff and the actual you know ground there's the, the research. There is the consumption of things that move you. That's the in-between. The jump is just a translation of those things. It's really just you needing to release the input. It's the output. And I think there's a lot of fear, especially nowadays, surrounding the jump, right? Because you think it just needs to be this public thing. And it doesn't always need to be. If you start the company and create the logo... Sometimes you ain't got to share it, but also in the same vein, it doesn't have to be your absolute best work in order for you to put it out. You have to find that balance of, hey, what am I comfortable with? Actually, forget that. I'll I'll rephrase that. What am I a bit uncomfortable with and how can I kind of take that? It's not even the jumping that makes some people uncomfortable. It's even peering out over the cliff, right? Right. So what is that? Is that for you writing a piece and now maybe releasing it every single Friday? If that's it, then get uncomfortable dipping your pinky toe in that level of discomfort because that's all creation and sharing is, is discomfort. And what it produces are some of the things that we laud and love the most. I would tell you, Nayoka, or anybody else with the same question, that you find your voice on the path. It's it's never the destination. You never reach some point and you're like, oh, this is me. To sound like yourself is the hardest task that you'll ever undertake. But it's a worthy task, nonetheless.
2: Hi, Mika. This is Bintu from Atlanta, Georgia. I really love the podcast and I really do appreciate you guys coming back. For the second season, I was so excited to listen to all of everyone's stories. Um, the question I have for you is, what advice would you give to your 20-somethings, and what book would you recommend f- for yourself at the age of 21?
0: Hello, Bintu. Hey, we got ATL in the building, y'all. The number one book I would recommend my 21-year-old self is How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. It's a bit repetitive, a tiny bit archaic, because it's been in print for so long. But Dale really illustrates, I think still better than anyone else, that opportunities flow through people. And we are the centers of our own universe. But it's important to step outside of our own universe and make sure other people know that they are loved, that they are understood, that they are acknowledged. And that will dictate genuinely everything else in your life. Like Nothing happens without people. People can either be your greatest assets or your biggest obstacles, depending on how you treat them, which in turn dictates how they feel about you. It's been proven time and time again throughout the, the eight years since I've been 21 that this life is not a meritocracy. People do things for people they like, and you can, in fact, make people like you a bit more.
2: Hi, NECA, My name is Ahava Davis. I'm from Bellsville, Maryland, which is just outside of D.C. I'm 22 years old, a senior in college, and I just want to know how to waste his time. I feel like I'm in a lot of situations, and I feel often that my time is being wasted, that I'm begging for attention or time, and I'm just trying to figure out how do I waste his time.
0: Hello, Ahava. <laughs> Your question definitely made me laugh. It's tough to putting completely projecting and talking to my twenty year old self to look at my life at the time and be like, girl, you aren't gonna be here's some advice to not be in more situationships. Like you're gonna be <laughs> you're gonna be in more situationships. But the essence of wasting his time is is really understanding what you want, what you're doing with your time, because that's that thing that you can control. If you're treating this date or this individual who's clearly shown that they don't even deserve to be on your roster but you're treating them like a franchise player think Michael Jordan you're inevitably going to waste your time but if you're taking it for what it is if you're just out here having fun if you're going on these dates enjoying yourself getting your your free drink or whatever it is if you have an objective then it becomes a completely different Ball game, like in every sense of the word, you're not the one who's desperately trying to see if this guy likes you. You already like yourself, you already love yourself. So, really, with that in mind, with that as your foundation, you can now take a clear look at the individuals that you're now vetting for that spot of your boyfriend or your partner or whoever it is. And you can say, Hey, do I actually like you? At 20, I know it's tough, but do not sweat the small stuff when it comes to these dudes. They are ubiquitous, like fruit flies. They will come and they go and they multiply, literally. (laughs) So, I mean, take control of your time. And that's really the essence of wasting his time, outlining what you really want, and not letting every Joe Schmo just try out for your team. The team is sacred. But if you want to do other things, grab a drink, hang out, all that stuff, then cool. But you can't be treating everything as if it's freaking four seconds left on the shot clock and it's game seven in the NBA playoffs.
1: Hi, uh, my name is Helen. I'm from Tanzania and I wanted you to ask you, what were the obstacles you overcome? The challenge, the most important one in your life and uh, in your life. And. How did you do it?
0: Hi, Helen from Tanzania. Gosh, it's on the list, so beautiful, such a beautiful country, and I can't wait to visit, hopefully this year. I think just like anyone else listening, it's been mountains beyond mountains. There's been obstacles after obstacles because life is a series of opportunities mixed with difficulty. And one of the most significant or memorable, I'd say, obstacles that I've faced is the relationship in the London episode. So one of the most toxic relationships that I've ever been in. It was really volatile, um, terrible on both ends, both parties. We brought out the worst in each other many, many times. And it led me down the road of self-discovery. It really did change my life. I had to now... Ask myself certain questions about love, about possessiveness, about relationships that I never had before. And through that, it it led me down a a never-ending path of introspection and self-discovery and in turn self-reliance. And I had to ask myself the question though, I do think Seek and You Shall Find is a part of ancient script for a reason but I wasn't ready. <laughs> I wasn't ready before that. There had to be a turning point in which I decided I wanted to know more. I wanted to understand myself. And it wouldn't have been, I I can't say that it never would have happened, but I can definitely say that the obstacle of overcoming the hurt and pain caused by two individuals who didn't know what they were doing and and put hurting each other above actually finding happiness, if if that relationship didn't occur when it occurred, I wouldn't have gone down the path of self-discovery that I'm now on.
3: Hello, my name is Fivo from Lagos, Nigeria, and I'm so glad that I can air my voice to you. So first of all, I'd like to thank you for um, podcast to pod it's been amazing it's been um, encouraging and yes I am so proud to be, happy to be part of your community so yeah my question how do you keep up with podcasting when you don't have enough audience on your social media platform how do you do it like if you don't have audience how do you get to refer, refer people to your podcast and how do you keep up with a book because I can't stay committed to one book I get easily distracted, and the next means, rather I'm finishing a book, I will just let it go. Maybe I'm like so excited to read the book a particular day, and then I read it a particular day, then the next day I just lose interest. How do you keep up with being motivated in reading books?
0: Favor, thank you for sending me this. Of course, I always appreciate getting anything from Naija. Thank you for sending your voice. Tackling your first question, it's definitely helpful to have an audience in a particular platform to leverage the podcast. The truth is passing through could be exactly what it is and without the leverage of the audience that I've built on Instagram, it could have three reviews and three listens and I could be still pumping the hell out of it, but there's no funnel of individuals to lead to this podcast. I would by no means say count yourself out if you don't have a large fund of individuals to lead to a product or a creation outside of the platform. I would say there is an advantage to it. There's an undeniable advantage to it. So anybody looking to build a a quote unquote audience on a particular platform, I do think it's a worthy feat. I think it's a worthy goal and it can be done by either educating or entertaining. Those are the two easiest ways to do that, and it helps with whatever else you're trying to release offline. I wouldn't have the access i do to you lovely listeners who submitted questions if it weren't for these platforms. In regards to books, favor I know you get bored easily. A lot of people do, especially in terms of reading. I like to mix it up. I do audiobooks primarily throughout the week. I finish like Two a week, probably in the car. And if I'm, I, I section out my reading. So I typically do philosophy in the morning, something educational in the afternoon. And then I save all my biography, sci fi, or fiction stuff for the evening because I like to go to bed and get those juices flowing with stories from other people. But that's typically how I section out my reading. And it doesn't, it keeps me interested and excited and doesn't get me burned out of uh, by trying to just finish one book at a time i know this is not for everybody but this is what i do to kind of spice it up with myself in terms of reading hi
4: Necker. first of all love the podcast love the community i don't have enough words to express how much like it's just fantastic honestly well done huge well done. <laughs> My question is, how do you deal with pity? Because you are somebody who is in the wellness space who shares very vulnerably. And it's extremely refreshing because you share the real shit. You know, you're not about sugarcoating and making things all rosy. Um, and I have been sharing for the past couple of years. And I found that even though empathy is a very strong, powerful emotion of compassion and understanding, I have been on the receiving end of a lot of pity. So I might be sharing in the wrong way or, you know, in a way that hasn't got a triumphant story of strength at the end. But have you found a way to deal with pity if you have received or experienced any?
0: Karina, first off, this is like a Barbara Walters 60 minutes level question and it's so appreciated. One, for, for you even saying I share real shit. <laughs> That's a huge compliment. And two, for the level of thoughtfulness of this question, which forced me to really stop and reflect. I'd never actually asked myself this question. I surprisingly, and this had me thinking it out while I'm answering this question, I surprisingly haven't been on the tail end of a lot or receiving end of a lot of pity. And I do think, like you said, it could possibly be because of the kind of restorative strength at the end or the fact that I may affirm affirmed that I've learned my lesson in some way, shape or form. But I, I definitely haven't been on the receiving end of a lot of pity, at least not shit that people will say to my face so or message me about. Even it's more so this resounding hey, I've been through this. Thank you for talking about it. I didn't even kind of know whether it was okay to, but in some way, shape, or form, you've given me permission to, which is another extremely high compliment. Um, I would take a look at possible presentation because I don't think that every single story needs this tight, beautiful, this, this glitter bow on top of it or you open the box and there's confetti. I do think that you can talk about real raw shit and not invoke a certain level of pity from your audience. So I'd really had to take a closer look at your work and how it's presented possibly because people also digest things differently. There's a different reception to an Instagram caption as there is voice audio, right? So Man, shoot me a DM. I'd love to chat about this more. This question has really has me thinking about how presentation affects uh, the audience's reaction to real raw stories that have the potentiality of invoking a a level of pity. I know I'm being long-winded about this damn question, but um, if I did say these stories did invoke a level, Oh, I'm so sorry that happened to you. That's terrible um especially unwanted level of it I think I make my stories so I think they're very as open as they are it's tough to argue with somebody else's experience right it's art it's it's you can place yourself in there or try to at least but mine are very it's very it's a closed loop right you're you're hearing this thing that happened but and, and you might even feel it when you listen to it. If you haven't ever experienced, you might feel like, damn, that sucks that happened to this person. But I'm working through it in the story already. I'm telling you what my thoughts were. I'm telling you what my post thoughts were um, given the situation. And maybe that's it. Maybe it is adding an element of reflection to your storytelling that will let the the listener know or the reader know where you're at currently with it I don't think it's a necessity but it's something to think about look at me here I go again I'm gonna stop myself before this becomes a 30-minute episode on this question
2: what is going on Mecca? this is Arnold I hope you are well congratulations on season three of the passing through podcast congratulations Um, I'm currently in Kenya so greetings from Kenya so my question is, what do you think this journey, this podcast, this whole experience from the beginning was intended to teach you or intended to put you through? What were the lessons that you were supposed to get out of this experience? And do you feel that you have
0: learned them? My main man, Arnold, what is up? How incredible is his voice, y'all? Speaking of his voice, he has a podcast as well. Check it out, ladies. It's called Against the Grain. He gives an unfiltered and honest male perspective on life and love. You can check it out on all major listening platforms. Again, that's against the grain. And this is a great question, Arnold. Of course, wouldn't expect anything less. The intention when starting, especially after submitting this thing to a competition and getting rejected, at that point, it was like, you know, I I just want to create something and put it out. It doesn't matter. You don't need the backing of some major company in order to create some cool shit. And that at the time was what I wanted to prove to myself. That was a chip on my shoulder. And these stories are something, especially with the verse two, I just wanted to get out. It was an experiment. That's how it started. And it snowballed, especially after the first season into, uh, oh, this is a, I want this to be a platform of understanding. I want this to be a digital archive of stories. I want this to be... A memory bank, a lesson bank for the generations after me, because I would, jeez, I would sink my teeth into that if I had it from my ancestors, and it's becoming that. I'm, I'm getting the most out of this experience, especially because people are now getting involved and telling their stories, and this platform is able to showcase that. The sky is a limit in terms of the stories that are going to be told, and the ways in which they're going to be told. I have definitely learned the lesson of, yo, nobody is going to rock with your shit as much as you are. And there's no, like we live in an incredible day and age where you don't need 10,000, 100,000, you don't need 10 bucks to start. You just have to start and you have to believe in yourself or surround yourself with people who believe in you until you can actually believe in yourself to the level in which they believe in you and get that shit done. So yes, I've learned that lesson and it's one that I refer back to every single day. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen. This was a really, really special, enjoyable experience for me, especially being able to hear your voices season four will probably come quicker than i even expected especially because we're all experiencing a very interesting time in the world right now with the pandemic we're staying safe we're staying home and i hope you all are doing the same as always every single review rating share like comment it means the world for this podcast please keep them coming We're excited to share what's in store for Season 4, as well as what's in store to build an even broader community of storytelling. Thank you guys for listening. That's it for Season 3, y'all!